0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the Gospel of Luke. You may be seated. (coughs) We begin with the word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this morning for the giving of your Son, Jesus Christ. For by receiving him, we know that we have eternal life prepared for us. We pray this day, Lord, that you would teach us to trust in your Son and to await for his coming and the joy that he will bring. Give us faith and grant us your Holy Spirit to this end. And now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know if you noticed this already this morning, but we are still singing Christmas songs here at church. And now that might bother you a little bit. I know you might be a little upset thinking that these Christmas songs are getting to be a little obnoxious by now. There's a chance that I can kind of hear you mumbling right now, Egads, I am so tired of Christmas. Let's just move on with the New Year's Eve celebration and be done with all of this already. But not so fast, friends. Not so fast. Because you see, here in the church, we are not Kixie 96.5 where we stop playing Christmas music on Christmas Day. Oh no, no, for us, Christmas Day begins the entire season of Christmas. And how many days is the Christmas season? Do you know? How many days? What, what do you have? What, what are you? Did you score a touchdown? What are you doing back there? 12, not 10, 12 days. 12 days of Christmas. That's how many we have. There's a whole song about it and we're going to sing it at the end. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Uh, But 12 days of Christmas we celebrate in the church. And for those 12 days we are preparing really uh, for Epiphany. And Epiphany is then the season where we celebrate this Jesus and we learn who has actually come uh, to save us. So right now here at church we're keeping the Christmas going. Now with the coming of Christmas of course is the receiving and the giving of gifts. And nobody receives a greater gift in a more wonderful way than our man Simeon from the Gospel reading this morning. Simeon has been waiting for some time to see the coming of this Jesus. After all, his life and really his death depended on the coming of this child. The Holy Spirit had actually promised to Simeon that he would see Jesus. It says he would see the Lord's, uh, he would not see death, I should say, before he saw the Lord's Christ. And so it is with great anticipation that Simeon was waiting for the coming of the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Savior. But it's got me thinking this week it's kind of a strange reason to want to see the Christ child, isn't it? I mean, if the Spirit had come to me and said, hey, Bob, uh, you're not going to see death until you see this child, I would then say, where's the child going to show up? And once the Spirit told me, I would move to the opposite end of the world, you see, because then I could stay alive. Then I wouldn't have to die. (laughs) Death is a strange reason to want to see this baby. In fact, we live in a culture that wants to avoid death, it would seem, at all costs. We live in a culture that is basically funded by health and beauty products designed to keep death away, or at least make us look like death is far away. The scriptures go so far, the scriptures aren't a fan of death either, for what it's worth. Uh, The Bible refers to death as an enemy, an enemy that is to be defeated. Jesus Christ himself, when he stands over the tomb of his friend Lazarus, weeps over death. And yet here, Simeon today anticipates seeing this child, knowing full well that upon seeing the baby, he could finally die. Now I know, death is an awfully bleak topic to cover as we close out this year and we prepare for a new one, and yet the reality is, death is something we're going to have to deal with eventually. No one can avoid it. And it seems to me, especially during the holidays, the sting of death is harsh. Harsher than usual this time of year. As we remember those we love, as we remember those we've lost. And frankly, there is just no denying, no matter matter how many cliches and hallmark cards we come up with, there is no way of denying how painful and difficult it is to face death. You know this, and I know this. Simeon certainly had to know this because who doesn't? Nobody wants to face death. Nobody wants to die. And yet it would seem as we read the text today that Simeon knew something else. He knew something that takes the fear and the sting of death away. He knew that the Christ that he was to see, this Christ who his life and his death depended on, was coming to do something about death. He was coming to overcome it. Simeon was looking for and longing for this Christ, for he knew that this Christ who was coming, he knew he could depend on him to overcome death. And now it seems, as you you examine the passage today, that Simeon knew something about the way that Christ was going to deal with our death. In order for Christ to deal with our death, he had to come and he had to face it head on. That's why, after all, after he's, uh, after Mary and Joseph have brought Jesus to the temple to be circumcised on the eighth day according to the law, and after Simeon held uh, the eternal God, who at this point was eight days old, which is just a mind-boggling phrase, as he's holding this, this eight-day-old eternal God in his hands, he can look at Mary, and he can look her in the eyes, and he can say these words, Behold. This child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword, he says to Mary, will pierce your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. In other words, Simeon has this sort of uh, obscure and ominous prophecy that he makes here to Mary. He tells her that this child is going to reveal the hearts of many. In other words, he's going to expose the sinfulness of all the people around him and all the people around him who are so satisfied in their self-righteousness aren't going to have it. So they're going to oppose this Jesus. He is a sign who is opposed, and they're going to oppose him by crucifying him, by putting him to death on the cross. And this is going to pierce the soul of Mary because nobody can handle watching their own child die. If you've experienced that in your own life, you know that there is no darker or more bleak place than than to lose a child. And Mary was going to watch her child be crucified for the sins of the world. She would suffer watching her firstborn die. But it's that death That Jesus died that would ultimately handle death it would ultimately swallow up death forever for the death of the Lord's Christ would pay for the sins of all mankind and put death to death forever so Simeon could rejoice at the coming of Christ even though he knew it meant that he would now die because he had this good news he was not facing death Without Jesus. And frankly, there are two ways to face death in this world with Christ or without him. If you face death without Christ, it is hopeless. When you face death with Christ, death is weak and helpless, and a defeated foe. See, Simeon knew. That when he was facing death with Jesus, he was not facing a death of punishment or eternal wrath because that is what this child came to do away with. Facing death with Jesus, he knew that this death was nothing more for him than a blessed sleep. And you see, dear saints of God, this is the good news. That for us who have Christ, death is nothing more than a blessed sleep from which we will awake at the resurrection of the dead when we enter into Christ's glory and celebrate and rejoice with him in eternity, where there is no more weeping or sorrow or death anymore. This is why Simeon can sing this marvelous song when he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, if you grew up in uh, some Lutheran churches, if you grew up in a, in a liturgical Lutheran church or some other liturgical church, uh, these words might sound familiar to you. We call them uh, the nunc dimittis, which is Latin for now dismiss us because Simeon says, now you may dis- I may dis- uh, depart, uh, be dismissed, you might say, in peace. These are words that uh, historically, traditionally have been sung after the receiving of the Lord's Supper. And now that's a very appropriate thing if you think about it. Because just as Simeon beheld Christ in the flesh of that baby, so do you receive the same Jesus, body, blood, and all, when you come to the Lord's Supper. This passage always reminds me of of one of my favorite quotations uh, that was uh, brought to my attention again recently, but I just love this phrase. Uh, A pastor of the last century said these words. He said, When a Christian goes to the Lord's Supper, he should go to the Lord's Supper like he's going to his death. So that when he goes to his death, he can approach it like he's going to the Lord's Supper. You think about that, what does that mean? Well, in both cases, whether you're going to the Lord's Supper or you're going to die, in either case, dear Christians, you're going to go see Jesus. In either situation. What a marvelous thought. Knowing that when we come to this altar on Sunday morning, we receive the very body and blood of Jesus Christ for us. He gives himself to us as a gift. And there, his word is fulfilled for us as our sins are forgiven and eternal life is once again promised to us. Because where there is Christ, there is him and all of his benefits. And so we can leave this altar every Sunday having received the body and blood of Christ, the same Christ that Simeon received, And we can face our life, and we can face our death with confidence. Because we know we face death with Jesus. And Jesus has conquered death for you and for me. So I know death is a bleak thing to talk about, but it's a reality we have to face. We have to face it in the last year, and we're going to have to face it again in the new year. And as we do, we will face it, and we will weep. And we will mourn and we will cry. And that is entirely appropriate because death is a problem to be cried over and to be wept over. We do not mourn, as St. Paul writes, without hope, without confidence. Weeping, the psalmist says, will tarry for the night, but joy will come in the morning. We weep with hope, for like Simeon, we have received the Lord's Christ. And he has forgiven all of our sins and opened up to us everlasting life you see we face death with jesus and jesus has promised eternal life to you the bible says the wages of sin is death and jesus paid those wages on your behalf on the cross when he shed his blood for you and now promises you everlasting life so as you leave the altar today depart in peace for god's word is once again fulfilled for you the word that promises your death is defeated, you will rise again, and yes, you will see Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for Jesus Christ who has won victory over death and the grave for us. Lord, let us depart the altar today in peace, knowing that your word is fulfilled and eternal life is secured and promised for us. We thank you that we have Jesus, and more importantly, that Jesus has us. He will never leave us nor forsake us, even in death. Give us great hope in the resurrection. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Having heard the word of our Lord, I invite